Welcome to the Ruta Love Podcast, series of interviews and anecdotes tailored for the inquisitive souls of today. On today's Ooh Ooh interview, where I ask juicy questions to people that move me, I have a pivotal woman in my life joining me. She's been a catalyst, a confidant, a creature that I can delve and be inspired by, the kind of friend that blows the whole lid off the whole world and we just write with sparkles in the air. That's how I feel with her. She's a really well-known and respected Wahine Toa, and I'm so happy to have her on the air. Welcome, Kiran Bula. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, there's so many things about you that we could delve into. But for today, we are going to explore the relaunch of your business, Love and Luna, mm -hmm. as well as the underpinning philosophies of your take on sexuality, pleasure, and how to engage with this relaunch. Sound good? Sounds great. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so a bit of indulgence on my part, if you wouldn't mind. I'd like to ask you if you can describe your impression of me when we first met, and then I'm going to do the same. Ba basically, I'm interested in the destiny of our friendship or like the origin story. Cool. I'm, um, I, I like have a little trouble remembering, and I really had to go back into the recesses of my memory to figure out... Uh, like when we met and all, you know, all of that around that. Um, but I think we connected on social media first. Accurate. Yep. Cool. And then we met in person at a market on yes. K Road. Yes. Okay. Cool. Great. I feel like I'm on the right track now. Impressive. Um, so I feel like when we, cause we were interacting on social media and yeah, I think, I don't know if we'd had much interaction before we met, but I know that I was like, oh, I want to keep connecting with you as opposed to maybe somebody else that's just like, oh, okay, cool, you've got a question. Or, you know, like they they become quite fly-by interactions. Mm, mm -hmm. um, and then <clears throat> when we met, I can't – do you remember like how long it was into my business that we met? Because I don't really remember. I remember the reason why I reached out to you because you were running a uh, yoni egg contest. Ooh. And I painted a picture of an egg and said, you know, you inspired me to make this egg. I've been learning about what yoni eggs are and you're learning about traditions involving like vaginal health and this is like really new and important to me you're so inspiring rada, rada, rada. and you were like and we have a winner <laughs> <laughs> okay cool so like yeah maybe i wasn't that deep into my business at that stage um and so what i remember of our actual meeting was um I guess for myself, I was in a space where the whole industry, which is like well-being, verging on the sex industry, was very, very new to me and very foreign. And I didn't really know who the pillars of that industry were and mm. who the people were. And there were people and things that I 
did not like and did like. And I think you were like one of the first people I met that I was like, "Mm -hmm, this is it. Like this is kind of the audience that I want to be in service to. Mm. And um, I think you had like this balance of maybe mystic and free spirit as well as being really grounded and rational which are like probably similar to my personality exactly but in a different way than my personality presents um yeah and so I think I felt really connected in a genuine way to somebody in this industry that I found I felt quite displaced in Mm. Hmm. yeah I love that I really appreciate you letting me ask you that question. <laughs> mm. I mean, it does kind of, so the mythology of friendships to me are like a lot of how that person makes you feel and how your spirit responds to them. And for me, I really appreciate that you're saying something that I hadn't even really contemplated, which was if you're a business owner or in, in community service, you actually have an ideal audience. And I'd never even mm-hmm. thought of that <laughs> before being on the other side most of the time. I mean, when I do my figure drawing classes, everyone's my ideal audience um, because I make them my ideal audience. <laughs> I'm like, my rules, you're in my house. <laughs> but, um, you know, with the product, it, people are going to be talking about it and you know people are in some sense a representative of your narrative mm-hmm. because of that so that's real thank you for introducing to me that concept as a businesswoman that's really fascinating um but your energetic effect impact on me was really fascinating because as a kind of nervous or anxious person i can be near people and either have more anxiousness that I have to navigate and like almost like emit a calming vibe in the hopes that I will mm-hmm. um, shift something for that person as well or whatever that can admit. it could just be a projection it could be like my response to them has nothing to do with them but when I got near you I felt a sense of kind of like what I get when I go into caves like a sense of depth and quiet and like a transition like that veil going through something well cool <laughs> like what a um beautiful description feels very resonant so thank you <laughs> okay so what is love and luna's origin story what inspires you so two questions there my apologies i'll start with the first one what's what's the origin story so when you sent that question through, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to think about this time. <laughs> uh, but I love telling this story. So the origin story of Love and Luna is um, I, in 2015, I went down to Queenstown and I was staying in this little batch and it was the middle of winter. And um, I was in a really interesting space in my life. I'd experienced a lot of grief and a lot of like I I was having an identity crisis Um, Mm. and so I was down there and alone and I hadn't been alone for probably two years at that stage I'd Mm. always been around somebody Um, and so I was down there 
alone and one day I was in Queenstown itself and went into a crystal shop and found a crystal wand and you know I don't think that they're selling them for this purpose I think that they're selling them for other other purposes but that evening I decided to use it for the purpose that I used it for to have like one of the best orgasms of my life and I had a real spiritual experience in Queenstown and that was part of it and at the time I was seeing somebody and he came down for one night and I really acknowledged in that moment like oh the sex we're having is pretty like standard in terms of like kind of let's just get this done and so I, and then I'd had this experience with myself and felt very like oh wait that like we're having sex but it's not pleasurable I mean it's it's ending an orgasm but the journey to get there is very business-like whereas I had this experience with myself that felt very beautiful and meant a whole slowing down and it became a spiritual experience Mm. and so that's that is the origin of where the idea came from and then um I I sat with that for a year and then um one day in June of 2016 I was like hmm I'm gonna do this and three months later I launched wow Wow. Yeah. Whew. What what inspired you to be the purveyor of those goods instead of just raving about it to your friends and, you know, kind of, yeah, you said you sat with it for a year. So what were some of the things that kind of lit you up that made you go towards being a, you know, more of a practitioner, more of a uh, service? I think there it's maybe multi-dimensional. One is I'm probably just an entrepreneur at heart. And so I saw a good business opportunity in a very practical sense. Mm. And then there's the part where before I decided to actually be like, okay, I'm going to commit to this as a business, I went into a lot of sex toy shops in Auckland and it, even the ones that were for for women, quote unquote, mm-hmm. were just like it wasn't a good experience. I I don't think I walked into a single sex toy shop and was just like, oh yeah, this feels really nice. It it always had this like undertone of feeling really icky and really unsafe, actually. Wow. And um, I just remember going into one and there's like all these toys for women you know, on one side and then right next to it is like very graphic pornography. And I'm a big fan of porn. Um, but like those two things are not, that's not the same market. And so I wanted to also create a space where women could talk about sex, talk about pleasure, um, and feel good, like feel like, oh, it's okay to be in this space. It's okay to get my needs met without ultimately the gaze of kind of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like one big component. And then I 
also just wanted to be part of this world where I didn't see myself represented in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still struggle with that. But, you know, I, I'd never met anyone like me who was having open and honest conversations about pleasure. Um, so it felt, it felt very isolating. And I wanted to help shift some of that. Yeah. So what do you mean by that you didn't feel um, represented in those environments? So I think because my my business falls into like a wellness space or well-being and health as well as the sex industry, mm-hmm. I, I guess most of my life I haven't seen anyone who looks like me mm. in the industries that I am now part of. Yes. Um, who looks like me or communicates like me. And so the imaging imagery that we receive has been very like dominant of one particular body type. And that's not um that's not just specific to those industries. Correct. That's across the board. Yeah. And I so I've never seen someone like myself until, you know, the last few years where things are really changing in that space and that's such a shame because it excludes so many people from accessing different things because they don't see themselves in it did that answer your question it sure did what's an example of decolonizing pleasure practice well this was such a good question because I really really had to think and then I was like googling it (laughs) and then I was like no no I'm just going to be honest and say I'm not 100% sure but I do have some thoughts on it which Mm. is one by me being in the space feels like it contributes to decolonizing the conversation that we have around pleasure yes and then making products accessible to everybody yes uh whereas or just kind of removing some of that stigma and shame that we experience around purchasing sex toys. I think that's an act of decolonization. Um, and then oh, I had another one. And it's completely gone. Hmm. Mm. Where did you go? Yeah. Those are, uh, those are the two for now, but maybe if we can come back to it. When I remember, because <laughs> I'd love to talk about it more. Yes, this is a really big part of some of your new messaging. Um, it's certainly, you know, the public facing narrative on your website. Um, and I I thoroughly appreciate it because with uh, decolonizing, um, for me, comes an embrace of everything that I hold reverend in my life um spirituality um mm-hmm. uh, matri- matriarchal empowerment um you know the moving away from only valuing something that is young and virginal mm-hmm. and beauty standards are deeply colonial so i just i'm so excited about this particular messaging uh for so many reasons yeah yeah, so now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, which is, uh, you know, I think there are certain things like, for example, I had this whole story about the yoni egg. Mm-hmm. 
and um and over time it was like wait I never questioned this story its origins and I've never questioned the yoni egg itself Mm -hmm. and so as I began to research I was like wow we've just like one appropriated someone's culture potentially but two someone's just made up this story and been like oh this culture did this practice and there's actually no evidence that they did which is fine because you know traditional Maori culture is verbal but there was something in there where I was like wait I'm telling a story that one isn't my own but two could possibly not even be true Mm. and so I had to really unpack that whole thing for myself to really understand and and write about it and be like actually guys I think I might have messed up here like this story isn't true um, and the same with like the word yoni, we've introduced it into like popular language, which is great. And I don't think we don't need to do that. But like, do you know the true origins of that story and how it came to be and why we use it? And actually, the reason we use it is because the person who was translating the Tantra didn't want to use vagina. So he just used the Sanskrit word and wrote everything else in English, which I'm like, oh, so you just felt uncomfortable because you're, you know, a Christian white male and didn't want to use this particular word. So you tried to soften it by stealing the word. And so I think those things are like, yeah, let's start thinking about where our origins words come from whose story we're telling yeah as a way to you know not telling yeah i mean part of this is around the removal of the presence of of female horniness in general (laughs) yeah yeah and so i think there are just like a lot of things that as we grow as a society we want to learn and we want to know and you know, those are some small ways and bigger ways that I'm trying to contribute to, like, taking out this knowledge that actually shouldn't have been there in the first place and decolonizing the space. And just and ultimately just by showing up in it, I think, contributes to decolonizing pleasure. Fantastic. Mm. Let's explore some of the reframing in the relaunch. What what does it mean to relaunch a business for you? It hasn't gone anywhere per se. <laughs> yeah. So I I think I just realized this morning that uh, it was a year ago that I kind of posted on Instagram, I'm going to take a break. Um, I don't know when I'll be back. Ah, okay. But. but Were you still taking orders? Uh, I was for a while but I I mean I think that was only maybe a few months after I'd said that um and uh, my business wasn't immune to you know the pandemic and what happened there and that was really part of why I um I mean that pushed me into taking a break from it because Mm. I'd had so many troubles but also by that point I was probably two years in of being 
feeling incongruent with my business. So its original meaning and the place it had started didn't feel true to me anymore. Mm. Um, I felt more displaced in this space than I ever did. And I felt just felt really disconnected from it. Um, and so during this kind of time off, I... I ultimately thought I was actually going to give the whole thing up and just not restart it, wow. just shut it all down. Um, I feel like we might have buried the lead a little bit. <laughs> Shall we explain what you actually sold? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was being so mysterious that I completely omitted what it is that you actually sell. Yeah, so if you've got this far, <laughs> good for you. You probably already know what I sell, but um, yeah. <laughs> I did not omit that on purpose. I was just really excited to get into the juice. So, Crystal, <laughs> pleasure wands. Crystal. Yeah, I sell um, Crystal pleasure wands, which is, Maybe the softer way of selling, I sell crystal sex toys or sex toys made from crystal. Mm. And and I also sell glass ones now. Uh, and I used to sell Yoni eggs, but I don't do that anymore. Which we definitely covered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So um, for those of us listening who have not encountered a crystal pleasure wand, a sex toy made out of crystal, um, I'll just explain that to you uh, because I'm a deeply visual person and I'm going to enjoy this. So imagine there is a kind of rod, like a beautifully smooth curved crystal wand, but it's kind of tapered on one end and it's almost like a really elongated raindrop. Um, and they can come in kind of um, thicker thicknesses um, or thinner ones. And I, they're definitely not super phallic. They're much more ritualistic to me and much more magical looking. The variety of crystals vary. But like Karen was saying, um, glass, like even obsidian is technically glass. It's mm-hmm. volcanic glass. Um, so, yes. Mm. Yeah. Nice description. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I actually just realized that it was a lot harder to describe. Yeah. <laughs> As I started, I was like, damn, <laughs> damn. Okay, well, we did it. We got there. And there's, you know, most people will, will know what we're talking about anyway. Yeah. So, you were... You wrote to the Instagram world, taking a break, COVID, you'd never felt as disharmonious or incongruent to mm-hmm. your industry as you had in that moment. Yeah. And and that, that was to do with lots of things as well. That was to do with COVID. That was to do with the behavior of some of the community that I was part of um, and in my own personal circumstances. And yeah, and so I guess maybe what ultimately stopped me from just not giving it up completely was being an entrepreneur and being like, this is actually a really good business and it would be a shame to just let it go. Like, this is a good business model. 
Um, so I think that kept me in a space where I could keep going. Uh, and then my beautiful designer Y rebranded for me. And that was like a really, really big step for me to feeling in, uh, more congruent with my business again. And so she actually designed my original logo, which I love. Uh, but it was like this very vibrant, hot pink color. And I guess where I was at felt different from that logo as well. So mm-hmm. the new colors are, you know, a lot more toned down, earthy, feminine. Uh, the new look is a lot softer, which I think that's where where I'm at too. I've come into I'm a space with my business of feeling a real softness as opposed to like the go, 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 trying to be something that possibly I wasn't in, um, when, I, when I started. Uh, so that was a huge part of wanting to, of actually relaunching was the new branding look and mm. feeling really connected to that. And then... Yeah, I think I've also, that happened in November last year. Um, So I've also spent the last six months trying to get to a place where I want to relaunch it. And I've had, you know, a really um, interesting six months personally. And I think just a lot, there's been like a lot of little things along the way, which have been like good signals of, yeah, you should start this again. Keep going. You don't have to give it up just because it has felt hard. And part of that was actually admitting to myself that I am in the sex industry, which is like a really interesting negotiation of self, mm. but ultimately has made me feel more comfortable than trying to label myself as being part of the wellness industry. Mm. I don't know why I am curious about this right now, but when you talked about your earthy colors, I also realized that you are deeply fascinated by earth pigments and earth paints mm-hmm. in particular ones that are, you know, cultivated and generated by um, Māori makers. So was, is there a connection between your color palette change and your kind of discovery or, or fascination with, uh, with that practice with earth pigments or are they kind of just sort of parallel, not necessarily connected? Yeah, that there is a connection. Ha! <laughs> but I guess it's more of a connection with uh, like the Atua Wahine. Ah. Yeah. So, um, so, and there were a couple of things. So why created these beautiful, this beautiful new logo and color palette for me and I and I was already very invested in like um that kind of earthiness and the color pigments that we get from the earth and what they mean and the stories around them Mm. um but there were two occasions post no there was actually one occasion before the new logo Mm. where I was on my way up to Cape Ranga and and I just kind of had this moment because there's a lot of red exposed red clay on your way up. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I was just like, oh, wow. You know, during the separation of Rangi and Papa, uh, like, is this her, is this her blood? 
like a wee witness to those wounds still. And it was this like, you know, it's this beautiful, deep, rich clay that I felt really connected to through my own blood. Like, yeah, I think, you know, we're all being witness to that separation and her pain and her beauty and her willingness to kind of be separated. But there's like a real rawness to it. And so I think it's like capturing those stories for me. So the new color palette captures these beautiful stories of Atua Wahine that I've I've been fortunate enough to like have them revealed to me along the way and through this process. And mm. one of the other colors reminds me of the Atua Wahine Parafenoa Mia. And I I just kind of knew nothing about her until one day I kind of saw her and was like, oh, I see her and she's the color. And then when I read the story about her, I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's her. That's it for sure. <laughs> so that's kind of, yeah, the connection there is being, I guess, spoken to through these atua wahine. True. Like no big deal, right? <laughs> no big friggin' deal. Oh. And, and perhaps that's like the other elements that I haven't touched on here is this is a deeply spiritual business for me, which is like an odd combination to say, a spiritual business, because it has some um, connotations that I don't like. But ultimately, my experiences within the business and how I started it are connected to spirituality. Mm-hmm. Would you say for you that, a, a spiritual business or a spiritual experience has a visionary aspect to it. Like you, you speak to seeing the red of the clay. You speak to seeing uh, a vision. Is this sort of always a part of the the spiritual life for you? The visionary part. Hmm. I've never even thought of that before. I'm so deeply visual. I'm asking you a lot of visual questions today. I guess I'm a person who uh, puts a lot of trust in the universe Mm. and puts a lot of trust in the things that I see. Mm. And so if I see something and there is some type of messaging that I can decipher within it, I'm going to follow that path regardless. Right. And so, like, yes, perhaps to your question, I guess – I guess the like hesitation in my voice is like I you know, I don't see nor interpret everything that I do perhaps witness in a spiritual sense, if that makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in terms of accepting and uh embracing that you're in the sex industry, so what is sex to you? What is sexuality and intimacy to you? That's a three like totally different Thanks. That's three questions. Nice. Okay. We got time. We got time to break this down. What is sex for you? I think sex for me can be loads of different things. Uh, It can be purely physical. It can be purely spiritual. Um, You can, you can label it in in so many different ways. Um, For me. Probably helpful to be broad when we're talking about sex. Yeah. 
I think for me at the moment, it's an exploration and probably for a lot of women, <laughs> it's a, a journey of exploration. Portal journey, right? <laughs> Just um, when you think you know what sex is. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think I'm I'm of the age now, so I'm 36, 37 this year, where, what? you know, I can say that I've had my fair share of really bad sex and and now I don't I don't do that and I don't put up with that. <laughs> and if I'm like, mm, this is not good, I'm not having fun. We're yeah, stopping. I'm I'm off. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I think you know, sex changes as you get older as well. And so that's where I'm at with sex. And I, I mean, I think it's a again a exploration of your intimate self. Mm. So then sexuality. Sexuality is whatever you want it to be. There's, uh, yeah, I think you can be who or with anyone you want. And you, I don't, I mean, I think labels are really great and we're really kind of focused on that in our society. And I guess for my part is I would say that I am straight, like I've only ever had relationships with men if we're talking about sexuality in those ways, but it wouldn't surprise me to be in a relationship with a woman. And I just think we get really caught up and hung up on those things for ourselves that maybe stop us from having like meaningful connection with other people because we're so concerned about the label of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of had a deeply sexuality relationship with plants yes okay I'm not the only one <laughs> well yeah and you know I think like if we think about if I think about love and Luna, and sorry if I use we like it's our shared thought <laughs> but I guess I feel like my sexuality is also connected to my spirituality mm. and that is you know limitless mm. yeah yeah. Whatever turns you on, you know. Yeah. Please just live a life that's turned on. Mhm. You know. Yeah, with with, really. with some morality and centeredness around that. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> don't don't be silly, but <laughs> <laughs> So then what is intimacy? I think intimacy and pleasure and spirituality are all kind of maybe like a very similar word oh fantastic and for me it's really about like a deep connection with self other the universe uh, but it's like a connection that goes beyond perhaps logical or rational thought oh yeah <laughs> Oh, man, I love what you just brought to the table around that. <sighs> I was thinking about also the opportunity that you are offering for everyone to choose how they want to engage with the sex industry, because I think that we are in an age where you absolutely have a choice to what community you want to be supporting. Um, and there's, there's 
and a good amount of safeness that can be found um, and a good amount of ethical choices that can be found now um, in the sex industry. Whereas I, I have very strong memories um, in my teens of like really thinking that it, we are never going to get out of this. We are never going to get out of a corrupt and damaged sex industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dan Savage talks about it a lot where he says, you know, um, you know, conservative people are making it so incredibly hard for people to get out of the sex industry. You know, so it's almost like, what 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 do you want us to do? Do you want someone to not be able to be a nurse? Do you want someone to not be able to be a teacher if they've ever done anything in the sex industry so that they only can be in it and yet you are condemning us at the same time mm-hmm. and only making unsafe spaces? So I think that, you know, if I were to get on any kind of soapbox today, it would be that the the world is a safer and more inclusive, vast option-filled space. Whereas I think before there was a lot of limitations, especially in the sex industry. Huge, huge limitations. And what I love about our generation and the one, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm a millennial. You're a millennial? I don't know. Yeah, I think we're millennials. <laughs> and then there's... I don't want to be. <laughs> you're, it'll be all right. <laughs> You're all right. I'm probably like a fringe (laughs) millennial, but I feel like I'm the one before as well. Which is the Gen X. Or is it Z? What the heck? Gen Z is after us. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm a millennial and then there's the Gen Zs who are younger than me and that's from like 10 to 25 at the moment. So I'm talking about latter half Gen Z Mm. and millennials. We're... Like this generation of people are like our our tolerance for bullshit is so low, (laughs) honestly. And so I'm a counselor by trade. That's what I do (laughs) for a day job. Uh, But like the Gen Zs that I work with, like as soon as something is fishy within their workplace or life, they're like, I'm out, I'm off, I'm not standing for this. Okay. And I think that that brings a different energy to the sex industry because I think where I am and the generation below us are now of the of the mind or, or coming around to the mind that, like, I can have it all. Okay. I can have it all and I can do it all. And if I want to have casual sex, um, I can do that without being shamed for it and if I want to start an OnlyFans while I'm also training to be a nurse I can do that too and it's not going to impact my future employment because actually I'm going to align myself with someone who has values around my life and so okay you've just made me fall in love with millennials and gen z's in a real different way yay (laughs) healing but did that like answer that question yup Sure did. (laughs) So how do we engage with you around your relaunch? What do you want to say to the fans out there around those details? 
I want to say that I like kind of know some of the details and I'm also just winging it, but that's how I like to structure my life. The <laughs> best place to find me is on Instagram. So it's loveandluna underscore NZ and I sporadically post Instagram stories. All the products are back up online now, which um, they've been off for a good eight months. You get a wand and you get a wand and you... Yeah, so we love that. And then we, you and I are going to be doing something in November. <laughs> Me? <laughs> yes, you. Um, which, yeah, I don't think we have that clear vision yet, but it's going to happen and I'm pretty excited. And, yeah, I guess it's, um, you know, the the new tag for Love and Luna is simple product, simple package, and simple pleasure. Mm. And so it'll be an exploration of what that means and um, just coming back to the simple pleasures in life. Yes. It's going to be hella sensual because that is our gift, the senses. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, so I ask questions to my ooh ooh interviewees. So I'm going to hit you with two questions. Are you ready for that, my darling? Uh, yeah, I'm as ready as you didn't prepare me for them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I said I will not tell you what they are. So the first question is, given the choice to spend a day with a version of yourself from the past, present, or future, what would you choose? Uh, <laughs> really? This is the question? Um, it's one of them. <laughs> like spend a day like watching or like interacting. Oh come on! Um, okay, God, I knew you would make me qualify. <laughs> you have you're you're hanging out, which to me means you're interacting. Ah oh, gosh! But I mean, you can choose to like be like self. We're not gonna talk. I'm gonna take you to the beach. This is a really interesting question because there, I guess what comes to mind, and this is probably my therapist brain, is like all of the times where possibly I could have diverted some trauma. Mm. Um, I mean, that's where I went to with, yeah. my, with my version of my answer. So, yeah. But I also recognize that my trauma has ultimately made me who I am right now. So it's that kind of double side of if I hadn't experienced this one particular thing, would I be in this position right now? Who knows? So I'm going to go with future and I'm going to say 10 years from now, 46. Cool. Yeah. Cause I'm really excited about being my forties. Me like, too. Yeah. It's, I'm one, I'm like less than a year away. Oh, are you going to have a party? What? Yeah. Okay, cool. You heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like my 40s, and I mean, it sucks if I'm going to be really disappointed in my 40s, but I think my 40s feel like the age that I'm meant to be. You know, I think we all have an age that's our perfect kind of age. Yeah. And for me, my 40s feel like that'll be it. I really feel like I'm growing into myself in some real wonderful ways yeah. these days. Yeah, because, you know, my 20s were pretty average uh, good times but you know it was my 20s and my 30s has been a lot of taken up by other things and I'm just like yeah 40 bring it on like 
I'll be earning good money. I will have all these things that just weren't possibilities at these younger ages. So I'm hanging out with 46-year-old me. Fabulous. Okay. Next question. I feel like there the brain is so fascinating. We store information and we lose information all the time. So I wanted to know if you had something that you had learned either in school or, you know, outside of school, but like what are those things that you're like, why why do I know how many dots the average ladybug has, you know, or like, why do I know how many tons a blue whale weighs? You know, I'm doing animal ones because those are most of my factoids because I wanted to be a marine biologist. But, um, you know, do, do you do you have like one of those things where you're like, wow, this brain, this is what you chose to keep? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it feels really small. <laughs> but I'm going to preface it by saying, I still really struggle with left and right. So I'm like a hand pointer. <laughs> so I You make the L? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and if if I'm like having to give directions, I have to be like, oh yeah, go that way and use my hand to point to where to go instead of saying just like turn left. Um but the thing that I remember is that it's two things. I know the difference between two with one O and two with two O's by knowing that a two with two O's is can be replaced by another word, like always, and that a lot is two different words. <laughs> and I, I don't, like, it's very present of mind. And every time I see somebody write a lot as one word, I'm like, mm, it's two words. And, I, <laughs> and it's just, it's so stuck there. And right. I don't understand. So, Okay. Why can't I remember my left and right? But I can remember these two. Two can be always, and a lot is. Two words. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. All right. <laughs> uh, so before we end, I want to remind my listeners that I'm running a survey over the next month to get a sense from y'all on what platform you would like to connect with me and uh, my guests and other fans of the show. Is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Discord? Something else? I want to hear from you. So you can access the link to the survey via my show notes and my website, rudo.love, um, or the podcast's inter- inter- Instagram, 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 at the Rudo Love Podcast, you name it. And if you wanted to review me, go ahead and do that too via the podcast app you're listening on. Either way, I love to deepen our connection and hear from you. Uh, So before we close, ending on some gratitude, I'll kick it off and then hand over to Kieran. I'm grateful for traveling, for cities, for multicultural communities, mutual respect, I'm grateful for biodiversity and the healing powers of the natural world. I'm grateful for intellect and intuition. Oh, um, ancestral wisdom and the bravery it takes to fly against traditions or old beliefs. And I'm grateful for women who heal women and for deep friendships and good sex. (laughs) I'm grateful for our senses and capacity for joy. And I'm really fucking grateful for my friend Karen Bula. 
Um, can I just steal what you said? Sure. <laughs> all of all of that. I'm grateful for all of that too. And I think you've just summarized it really beautiful. And I'm just grateful to be here and chatting to you, my friend, because I'm so grateful for you and that we met all those moons ago. Many moons and more moons to come. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. And Stay tuned for another episode of the Rudo Love Podcast. Until then, kakite anoa ho i a koutou.